0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's Q&As. It's Thursday afternoon, so there should be plenty of time for everybody to have gotten their questions in. So let's jump in and see what we got. First up, over on Floatplane is an off-topic question from Mike. They want to know if I'm a Honda guy because they always hear me make the Honda Accurate comparison and they're just curious. I choose that comparison because I think that most people around the world are aware of the two brands and how they work. One's just the luxury version of the other. But while I was born in Connecticut, I am full redneck at heart. I drive a 2000 Ford Ranger. My favorite car was an old Camaro with 450 horsepower. Uh, so while I respect the the craftsmanship and the reliability of those cars, if I had to pick one, it would probably be much more of a rednecky thing than, than a nice Honda or Acura. But I did absolutely love the TL. Um, I, I can't remember which model it was, but it was like mid 2000s up. It was a four-door sedan that came in uh, came in standard transmission that was just. It was like a happy medium. It was like a really nice, reliable car, but it also had a lot of the extras that make you feel a little bit more luxury, I guess. So I, I loved that one. I'd never got a chance to own it because at the time it was ridiculously expensive. And by the time I could afford them, they were old and probably not as reliable as a different one. So uh, definitely always been a, a car and motorcycle person. I had a GSXR 1000 that I spent so much time and money on. That sucker was so fast. Loved it. But now, if I have to, to pick cars, it would be either something old and rednecky, y or, uh, or maybe even like a brand new all-electric, but uh, I definitely like the old muscle cars and trucks and stuff like that. Moving over to Patreon, Steve Wells was chiming in on the conversation from last week about how to make sure your settings are saved when calibrating a PVM. And they wanted to make sure that the PASC who asked the question was pressing the degauss button twice in order to save the settings. Once isn't enough, you have to press it twice. That is a great tip that I completely and totally forgot about. So thank you very much, Steve. Much appreciated. Hopefully the PASC is listening and here's that tip. Now a question about SCART switches from Oliver Menard, who is in France with PAL consoles. And if you're French, that means I probably killed the pronunciation of your last name. My apologies. It's never on purpose. Uh, but the questions are, what are my thoughts on the Hydra SCART switch versus Otaku's automatic switch? So I looked into one of the Otaku switches and it was mostly fine, but there were a few scenarios where I thought there could be potential for issues. Doesn't necessarily mean you would have them, but like on the flip side, the last time I really beat up a G-SCART switch, the only potential for issues were if the user plugged in the wrong thing. So, you know, you plug a cable into your wall socket and jam it into the G-SCART, then yes, that's going to kill it. But for for average proper use, there was no worries whatsoever. Whereas the Yotaku could still be some worries. And I also heard heard that the store is not shipping things anymore. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. I'm not really sure what the deal with that is. So I guess, you know because of the part shortage and a lot of other things, our choices are, are very, very limited. I know G-SCARTs are very expensive, but that's one of those things where you get what you pay for. So, But with all respect to Super G, not everybody needs that. Some people just need a basic push-button SCART switch, which is why I liked the original Otaku so much. Uh, so hopefully somebody else will step up. Rob from Retro Gaming Cables is also teasing the SCART switch, which I don't know what the status of that was. I think that was like over a year ago the first i had got the first prototype and i told rob let me know when they go on sale and i'll i'll stream a test of it for you unless you need any pre-production work and he was like all right i'll let you know and i haven't really heard from him since part shortage is really killing everybody so i guess you kind of just got to get whatever you could find Uh, you also asked about the hydra i've heard that the newer ones perform okay the original ones, the first couple models I had tested all had some sort of weird issue, and I continue to hear occasionally people coming through and saying, hey, here's all of my stuff, and I have this switch, What's what do you think the problem is? And it's the Hydra switch more than its other switches. I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying... I've had a consistent history with it, and the my my first interaction with Lotharek was beyond horrible. So I just I would have, I would have trust issues with any of that stuff, which is a horrible thing to say. I know, but I'm just honest and trying to be transparent. There was definitely some uh, very very big coincidences, as a polite way of put it, when the Hydra was released. So yeah, I don't I just don't own any of that stuff and i don't think i would but that's not for me to tell you what to do that's and especially in the middle of a part shortage that might be your only option it might be the best priced option so i guess it's worth giving it a try but if anything goes wrong i guess uh, don't say i didn't warn you and if it all goes right then hey point and laugh and say this thing's perfect you were wrong bob that's totally fine too couple of questions from Michael. First, they use an otaku SCART switch that they saw from one of my earlier reviews. That's funny. We're just talking about that. And all but one input is RGB. If they wanted to upgrade to, say, a GSCART, would using composite over SCART from their NES be a problem? I don't remember what would happen on the GSCART. So just to explain for anybody that's unaware, I'm assuming that Michael's talking about a manual push-button Otaku SCART switch. And in that case, you could run anything through it, and as long as the button is set to the correct input, then it passes whatever signals through because there's no circuitry really. There's no auto detection, there's no sync stripping. It's just a dumb push button switch, which I say that with love because I love those and I love ones like it because the less features, the less stuff could go wrong. So I loved that that was a a low price point but still a well-performing switch. However, that said, when you move over to something like a G-SCART, that does auto detection, I think on RED or SYNC, depending on the version. And then you would run composite video through the sync line because that's what composite video over SCART is. It's essentially just running composite video through it on those same pins. And if that was the case, the switch would definitely have to be, um, uh, have to have all sync regeneration turned off and then it should pass it. But would the auto switch work? And That I don't really know. So you might want to double check with who's ever selling it now. I know there's the... There's at least one forum post somewhere, but last time I even logged onto that site, it was just nothing but trolls. So I don't don't want to send you there. So maybe just ask whoever's selling it now. And if anybody happens to know the answer for a fact, please post down below. This is one of those things that I'd like to know myself, and I would love to just grab my SCART switch and test for you, but all of my switches are with friends in different states of use. I was trying to help out a bunch of different people. And um, so, yeah, sorry, I don't have one here to test for you. Next question, though. They... Uh, They stumbled across the French PAL NES that has RGB output. That's something that we've talked about quite a bit over the years, but I think I may have a page on the website about it. But essentially, that is composite video that is converted to RGB. And the purpose of doing that would be simply for... For French laws that mandated that all signals had to be RGB SCART, it wouldn't take the lesser composite signals. So in order to get around that, rather than rebuild the entire NES with an RGB output, they just removed the RF box and turned that into a composite to RGB converter. Uh, Chris did a write-up on it a few years ago, and sometimes it looked good, sometimes it didn't. It really depends on the comb filtering and the circuit and the TV, but I'll leave a link to that if you're curious. So if you happen to stumble across one of those very cheap or, or reasonably priced, I would definitely recommend that because that's a no-mod solution. You just take that NES You plug it into your SCART switch and it works just like everything else that's on there. You got to make sure it comes with that RGB SCART cable because there's a proprietary cable with it, but you're not going to get a video signal upgrade, but you definitely would have your workflow go a lot easier. You could just use that, definitely use the GSCART and kind of just go from there. So I'll leave a link to Chris's post from a couple of years ago, just for some info on that and a link to GSCART's. But overall, uh, I think, you know, that might actually be a pretty easy way to solve it as long as you can get one of those cheap. I don't know what they go for these days. Belmont said they're officially hooked after a successful RGB mod on their SNES Jr., would I be willing to recommend some other mods for old consoles that are roughly in the same difficulty range, assuming parts are available? So the SNES Junior mod, the only one that I know of, off the top of my head, that's that easy, is the original N64 RGB mod. You have to find uh, just—I'll leave a link to how to to the page on the website that shows how to find them. But get the older revs and then get any one of the basic bypass boards, Voltar, Bordy. There's a whole bunch out there. Avoid eBay. It's just like saying avoid AliExpress. I'm positive there are awesome good sellers on eBay, but unless you know for a fact who you're going through, there's a lot of garbage ones on there, including one notorious seller that was intentionally selling bad boards because they wanted to dump them and get their money back. They weren't going to harm anybody's console, but it certainly were a lesser of quality. So just avoid eBay, get get them from people that you know or people in the community that you know. And that would be definitely be one. Other than that, there's a few like composite S video mods for RF only consoles that are fairly easy. Um, I'm trying to think of what other ones. trying to look around to see if I could look at my consoles for some inspiration here. Let me look back at my CRT wall and see if I see any consoles here that might be just as easy. But no, I really don't. I can't think of one off the top of my head, to be honest. So I would start with that and kind of see where you go from there. But uh, yeah, it is It is kind of addicting because you start upgrading these consoles and you see the quality go up. And while it certainly doesn't make the gameplay any better, it, it is kind of nice to just enjoy the visuals a little bit more. So, yeah, I guess I would try an early revision N64 next. And if anybody in the comments remembers something that's kind of that easy that I'm forgetting, please uh, you know chime in and let us know. I always... Uh, Whenever I'm put on the spot, sometimes I have the answer and sometimes I'm just like, oh, I got nothing. And then an hour later, I'm like, damn, why didn't I say that? I do that all the time. So sorry. (laughs) Dustin Madison said, just an idea might do a video on all the different specialty boards available for the Nano. There's so many. Wish there was one that had a setup like a Retron or Game Freak, but sadly not one that they've heard of. What Nano? The Raspberry Pi, the D10 Nano... I'm not really sure which one you're referring to, but um, you know, while I'm always all ears for any idea, I wish I had the time to do all of them, but my time is getting even more limited these days, and there's already a long list of stuff that I really feel like I need to get the info out there just because nobody else has really done it. So, if that's something that's already out and people have already done a decent video on, I don't think I would do it. I'd kind of like at least for the short term to stick with the stuff that I have a ton of knowledge on that isn't as mainstream knowledge that I'd like to share with everybody. Of course, as always, along with the proof as to how I learned it and how you can double check yourself, I'm never telling anybody, just trust me, mostly. Sometimes I kind of have to say it because I don't have time to go through it all, but but those are the things I really want to kind of stick with now and the more questions I ask about some of the topics that I'm you know, mostly done with the script, still in testing on, the more I ask the questions, the more I realize Really, the info is not out there at all. So I know that's not going to win me any YouTube awards, and I'm probably going to lose subs because I don't have enough consistent general material out there. But I really, I really want to make sure that I get all the info out that people really need. So I'm going to try my best. But if you want to be more specific, I could look up what's out there. If it's something fun that I have access to and have the budget for cool, I'll definitely add it to my list. But there's a long list these days. JP Brunow said, congratulations on getting them very, very interested in buying a Mr. FPGA full setup. Well, I wouldn't talk about it and promote it if I didn't love it. I, I really do love the project. I am so appreciative to all the devs that work on it, that help us all on a daily basis. So that's uh, it's no bullshit when I talk about how much I like it. You know, there's no, there's no Mr. Corporate Company that's paying me to say this. So, uh, you know, hopefully people know that I, I mean it. But anyway, uh, they they admit being confused about which full pre-assembled turnkey setup to buy. There's a bunch of options offered by a bunch of different resellers. They want to be able to play console games from Atari 2600 all the way to PS1, PS2 is probably never going to be on there, on their CRT via component or S-video. So those are two very different outputs right there. Um, If you want component video basically anything with an IO board could handle that. You might need to also purchase another cable such as just a a VGA to RCA breakout. Those are super cheap. I think I have all that listed on the Mr. Page and everything as well. Um, And in fact, you might even, uh, I got to double check with Mike Simone, but you might not even need an IO board. If you're only going to be connecting this to your component video TV and nothing else. You should be able to use direct video and then buy a very cheap little board that Mike uh, I think is has ready and then just um, use standard cables. And you would have to figure out a different output for audio but as long as you use an HDMI converter, an HDMI DAC that has audio output, it should be fine. But you don't even really need a full IO board. However, as soon as you start talking about going to S-Video, then you're going to need something like the Retro Castle board that has a Sega Saturn port on it. And you could use a Saturn S-Video cable. And those are are very good. In fact, uh, I have that here. I'm going to do a live stream on that in the next month. Uh, So if you you have the patience to wait a few weeks, you might want to wait to see how that goes. Pork was working on a prototype of doing it that way too. Uh, I tested last time and I got very good S-Video output. And uh, also the course that Mike's been working on, if you want to get a little more complicated, you could generate S-Video directly from those. So it's one of those things where component I would call easy. And it's just a matter of choosing the case that fits your needs, the type of cable, how you want to get it. But that's kind of an easy thing. S-Video starts to open up a can of worms that if you had the ability to go component. I would stick with that. Uh, whereas if you only could use S-Video because that's the CRT that you have, no problem. But it's a completely different path of accessories that you want to go. So I think I would first uh, I would first determine which signal you want. And then after that, what other options do you want? Do, are you going to be using Snack? Are you going to be using... Um, digital audio output as well. You know, do you have this going into your CRT, but you also want to put it into your nice, awesome surround sound system or something like that? Or maybe you just have a really awesome stereo DAC in a two channel setup, which that video got delayed because life things, but that two channel audio is amazing. Video is going to be out at some point between now and never. So I would just nail down less about what console games you want to play because there's not really a choice there. Whatever cores are available is what you're going to get, but what you want to connect it to, what accessories you want to use, and then maybe if you don't mind re-asking the question and I could kind of get you a little more focused as to your answer. Scotter 140 wanted to follow up on a question they had asked last year, but they kind of wanted to update it and re-ask. They have a CRT they'd like to make their main CRT, a 32-inch Sony Trinitron that's beautiful, but just has composite and s video inputs. So they'd like to convert everything to S video and integrate it into their current setup that's a mix of RGB and component. They have an OSSC Otaku SCART switch. They have an OSSC and an Otaku SCART switch and a cheap 3 in 2 out component selector. They're not of any, they're not aware of any device that does both so they think they're looking at getting at least two converters. A component video to RGB SCART transcoder plus an RGB SCART to S video and composite component compo- transcoder. Sorry, does that make sense or is there a better solution? That's perfect. But the only thing I have to add is you need to remember that going from RGB to composite's never going to work right. It'll work. You could add a variable capacitor on there in order to try to dial in a better signal, but it's never going to look as good as composite generated from the console. That said, RGB to S-Video looks great. And uh, in most cases, and I, I think in the few times that it doesn't, I don't think, I think the trade-off is worth it. So I would just say that you're, what you're planning to do sounds great. As long as you could go to S video and not composite, I think that's a perfectly good setup. And I think you're going to be very happy with the results because this way you'd be able to take, you'd, basically you'd be able to route everything to RGB and split that between your OSSC and and uh, your output. So that's pretty good. The only thing I would also check on is if Ashenworks updated their converter because the original one was RGB in with two composite and S video outputs. And I strongly suggested that Ashen change that to RGB in, RGB out, and composite S video out. Cause if, if he did that, then that would be your solution right there. Cause that would take care of splitting the signal for you. One going to the OSSC, the other one going to, um, you know, to your, uh, well, yeah, the S video go into your TV and the RGB go into your OSSC and heck you could even probably get a SCART coupler and just stack your OSSC right on top of it if you wanted. So that would take care of it right there. And if not, then, you know, I would just look at any other, make sure you have a setup that does split the signal properly bunch of light gun related questions from JQs. So I'm just going to go through them one at a time. First, what systems are capable of having two player light gun games? The NES had one unofficial game, the port of Chiller, which is kind of a stupid game, but fun to play once for two seconds. It's kind of, you know, just a quick aside about that. It's incredibly violent, but it's 8-bit violence, which I think is hilarious. Uh, Maybe I'm weird, but 8-bit cartoon violence is hilarious to me where if that was like a realistic thing I I wouldn't be into it so just don't say I didn't warn you about that one Um, Saturn PlayStation 1 and I think I think past that maybe Dreamcast I'm not really an expert at that but I probably should do a deep dive because I do like light gun games but I'm pretty sure Saturn and PlayStation 1 and Dreamcast would do it and then once you get past that PlayStation 2 probably would. Um, and then I'm not really sure about Xbox or the rest because then they start using different methods on how their light guns work. And then, of course, by the time you get to the Wii, yes, because it's just using Wii Um, Next, if they have two PlayStation 1 light guns, can they plug both light gun RCA cables into the video input on their TV and they'll both work? Yes. And this is not like using a Y cable because Try, I'm, I should do a separate video just on this. But basically, when you plug, if you look at voltage on an oscilloscope and you plug one signal into a TV, the voltage drops and that's how you get your proper, proper 75-ohm termination. When you use a Y cable and you plug them to two TVs, that voltage drops even more. It puts double load on the encoder and that could kill your console, could harm your TV. Lots of, you know, definitely don't do's there. You take that same signal, that same composite video signal on an oscilloscope, you plug it into your TV, everything's you know, everything's how it should be, you unplug it, you plug it into one of those PlayStation light guns, plug it back into everything, and it doesn't change. It doesn't put a load on the signal. So it's perfectly safe to use one, and I'm assuming two as well. I've never tried, but I'm, I'm assuming that would totally work. Um, so that's, you probably, you might not have cared about the technical explanation, but I'm sure some of my fellow nerds out there do. Um, next, is it possible to double the signal to two TVs so each player has their own screen? Yes, but with an active circuit. So what I just explained about Y cables would prevent you from safely doing that by just splitting the signal. However, if you put it into a G-Comp switch, a G-SCART, a signal distribution amplifier, anything that's designed to power and split signals from analog video, yeah, that should totally work without any issues. The other thing is it's also safe to use PlayStation's composite and S video at the same time. And if you have an original PlayStation that have the jacks on the back, you can use, let's just say the composite video jack and then a composite video from the multi-out port separately as well. So that would be safe to do because that the console was designed to do that so you're not why splitting it it's the circuitry is already there um so i i think that all i think that sums up all your questions if anybody if i got this wrong please chime in and let me know because i do love light gun stuff but i think i at least got you on the right path vape the wave has recently built a gbsc and they've been using component video with it if they decide to use SCART at some point, should they create an adapter with the pigtail that was provided? Or is there a good SCART to VGA adapter they can buy? They've read about Sync Strike, but before they buy it, they want to know if there was a cheaper alternative. Well, anything that will get the sync stripped and into a D-sub VGA style connector should work. So you could use the SCART cleaner, which is free open source design. You could just jump right on the website and uh, and download Um, You could use that, but not populate the port and wire that directly in. Uh, There's a whole bunch of different changes that you could decide to make uh, if you want, or or different choices, I guess, is the better way to put that. So basically, you just need a way to convert the connector from SCART to VGA. Don't touch the video lines. RGB are going to be fine. And then you'll just need to convert whatever signal on the sync line is to TTL level clean sync and that should be all that you need. So I would look into any of those projects. I know we built the SCART cleaner revised with the VGA port on it, um, but I don't remember why we didn't upload the files. I think it was part shortage related. I think we kept posting the bomb and then all the parts would get out of stock. So I'll have to swing back around to that, but let me know if you need it. Um, but any solution that does that should be fine for you. Adam Adam has a question regarding the N64. They have been trying to find information on the power LED with no luck other than random Reddit posts. They know the stock LED uses 1.95 volts, but without disconnecting the LED and putting it in series with their meter, they're not sh- certain of the current draw. They know GameTech sells other colored LEDs, but the LED voltages and current draws aren't listed. They found plenty of posts about aftermarket Dreamcast LEDs dying really quickly due to voltage issues. Do I know a reliable source for this kind of info for the N64? They know it's trivial, but definitely fun to play around with. I don't, but here's, here's an experiment that you might be willing to try. Grab a resistor and put that in line with the LED and get a couple of different ones. You know, hopefully, if you've done mods, you just have resistors laying around like, like I do, and most of my fellow modding nerds do. And just put it in line with so it's power into the resistor, into the LED, into ground. And start with, I really forgot what the values should be. So you might want to look up LED resistance calculators or anything like that. But start with it kind of dim and see what happens. Uh, but that's one of those things where as long as you do it the way I said it and don't, don't try to build some craziness out of it, just putting five volts through a resistor to drop the voltage down into the LED. And you could use a multimeter to check, by the way. The worst thing that could do is you blow the LED out not your N64, not your power supply, you know, presume that you did it right and you didn't lay the LED legs across voltage traces on the motherboard. I know you wouldn't do that, just saying. So I think that's one of those experiments that's probably worth your time. You're not going to lose a lot of money if you blow out a couple of LEDs just trying to figure out the, the exact correct voltage or combination of things. But if anybody has the actual info, that would be really cool because, uh, you know, I'd like to know the real answers to these things, but this is one of the rare cases where I have no problem saying, Hey, give it a try. What are you going to lose? $3 in LEDs and a couple of minutes of your time, you know, of all the things to lose, not a big deal. Um, also, uh, thank you for the kind words. I'm glad you're enjoying the live streams. I'm trying to keep the content coming, but I'm also trying to get all of the work that I need to do done behind the scenes and I love live streams. I think it's a very happy medium of the two and uh, as long as people keep watching, I'll keep doing them so thank you. Moon Turtle wanted to give me a heads up about scammers targeting youtubers um, i don't I, I don't know what that is I haven't clicked on it yet, but I just want to let you know that I get scam emails daily and i've been getting them since six months after i launched retro rgb so it's something that all of us are very very used to and it is rare when people fall for it and it is really embarrassing when they do like that one i forgot who they were but that one youtuber that got a phishing email from somebody that was disguised as a bigger youtuber and they went on twitter trying to complain about it like that's like they should have known better we get this daily. So, you know, I I appreciate the heads up. I'll I'll click on that as soon as I'm done recording this to see what it is that you were showing. But um, honestly, anybody with over a few thousand followers that's been doing it for more than a year is probably getting daily scams sent their way. And we're all just numb to it at this point. (laughs) Oliver Clare is working on a section of the wiki that shows people different audio formats available for different ninth generation consoles, so all the most modern consoles, and they just wanted to know if I had any thoughts on additional columns or anything else that I think people would find useful. I'll leave a link in the description to exactly what I'm talking about, anybody who has any suggestions, please chime in, but for me, I checked out the page and the only thing I would want to add is if there's any restrictions. So... The basic restriction of like if optical audio output is limited to uncompressed 5.1 and then all other signals get compressed through it. That's kind of general information. You might want to leave that as a note on the bottom, but anybody that's dealing with that should probably have a little bit of knowledge on that. If not, just a little disclaimer at the bottom with a star might be kind of interesting. But other than that, I, the only thing I would add is if there's any restrictions So this console supports all of these formats, but it only supports I'm making this up, by the way, but it only supports Atmos if you're using HDMI 2.2 compatible receivers or something. So only I would only add or the only thing that I see potentially missing is if there are any restrictions or any gutches like that that people might need to know about. Um, You know, one trick, obviously, is always to use HDMI splitters that could spoof that. But it's just something that I I think might be worth looking into. If that is even a problem, there might be zero restrictions, which is why it's not on there. So or why I missed it if it is on there. But that would be the only thing that I have to add. But anybody else, please chime in because I definitely love all this wiki talk. Oliver also wanted to follow up on our discussion from last week about the potential of wirelessly distributing RF from the console to a receiver and then into their setup. And Oliver wanted to clarify that they don't actually mean to distribute RF around their house. They just wanted to see if they could do that and distribute it across the room. And what you need to remember about that is it's basically the same. So all of the things I talked about last week still apply, because it's not like a directional signal. When you introduce that kind of amplification, it, it basically just broadcasts it in a big circle around you. And you could sort of kind of aim it sort of this way, but it's going to go everywhere. And when you have unregulated amplification like that, it could cause problems with other devices. It could cause human issues. And I spent quite a bit of time in EMI chambers trying to get our products when I worked for that medical company to to pass the very stringent 60601-1 medical uh, standards. And EMI was much stricter than any consumer grade products. But the consumer products still had the restrictions for all of those reasons. So while I'm not trying to say that if you hook up this RF amp to your NES, you're going to cause yourself brain cancer if you walk in front of it, it's not impossible. Whereas if you plug in your cable into your NES, and you run that across your room, and you plug that into the other side of your room, the chances of you getting cancer from that cable or from it interfering with other devices that are next to it r zero. So, you know, it's one of these things where if people listening are laughing at me, like you can't get cancer from a wireless RF, you moron. That's fine. Make fun of me all you want. I was the one sitting in the EMI chamber seeing all the differences. Uh, I, I've definitely, I've definitely seen wireless signals mess with people before. So I just wouldn't do it. But it's up to you. Give it a try. Proof of concept. If it works and you're fine, go for it. But I, don't say I didn't warn you because I just. Stuff like this, I like to err on the side of caution rather than just say, whatever, go for it. Like with the N64 LED before, the worst that could happen is you blow out a cheap $1 or less LED, go right ahead, you know, not a big deal. Whereas this, worst that could happen sucks. So that could happen would suck, so I wouldn't do it. Well, that's it for this week. If you're new to these Q and A's, ask any question you'd like, wherever it is that you support in the latest Q and A post. The way these services work, I can't really figure out what's a new question on an old post. Plus, I love just scrolling through in real time and answering them like we were hanging out together like you saw me do today. So any question at all, stick it wherever it is that you support in the latest Q&A post. And if I ever miss it, it's never intentional. It's always a screw up on my fault or on my side after the fact. So uh, and of course, if you you need anything or if I misanswered your question, just re-ask or DM me or something like that. But as always, thank you very much for all of your support and I will see you next week.